Thank you. We're in Hebrews. Hebrews, and we're going to be jumping through Hebrews because I'm doing a summary of Hebrews. So hold on to your seatbelt because uh, we're going to be flying. There's six things that I want us to know. But one thing most I want you to know, Jesus is the best. Say it with me. Jesus is the best. He's the best communicator. He's the best mediator. He's the best hope enabler. He's the best savior. He's the best covenator. He's the best equipper. He's the best of the best of the best. There's nothing better than him because he is awesome. And he is God. And he rules the universe. And he rules in all lives for all good and his glory. Amen. He's the best. And we can get excited about that. Because even in the midst of all trials, in the midst of, of the hardships that we are, he prepares a table. Not a skimpy table, not, not, a, not a hard, not a, 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 a desert, deserted table, but a table that is full of plenty so that our cup overflows. Do you know that he has a table set before you right now? And all you have to do is fix your eyes on him and feast on the table that he has prepared for you in the presence of your enemy. And so many of us are challenged. So many of us give the enemy a seat at that table. We do. And then he ruins the table. Ever been on a special date with somebody? Or been at a family thing and you're at a restaurant and it's just for you guys and you're trying to have this special moment and somebody comes walking up, hey, how's it going? I'm so glad to see you, you know? And you're like, what are you doing in your mind, right? This is my space, right? That's what Satan does when we sit down at the table of the Lord. Hey, how's it going? And some of us go, oh, it's going okay. There's a lot of enemies around. It's a really big problem. And he's like, oh, let me have a drink. Ah, oh, that's not so good, right? And he starts to downplay God's goodness. And drive a wedge between us and God. He, he'll blame all the stuff that's going on around us on who? God. And it's not God. No, God has prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemy. That's a freebie. The Hebrews. Hebrews is written to Jewish Christians, but it's also written to Jews who have not become Christians. So these are the two audience, Jewish Christians and Jews who have not yet become Christians. We don't know who wrote Hebrews, and I'm not going to go into the debate of who might have and who might not have. Okay? But it was written to Jews and Jewish Christians. This is probably the best explanation of how Christ has fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. And how Christ has fulfilled the Old Testament law. And how Christ is our covenator. <laughs> Someone who makes good covenants. Or makes a covenant. He's the best. So as you hear this, I want you to realize there's a tension. If you read through, have read through Hebrews as part of uh, uh, your scripture reading, you're going to feel that tension in this book. And I just want you to realize it's really like two train tracks. All Western mind likes to have... One track and extremes. But Eastern thought really holds tension. And this book is full of tension. Because he's talking to Jews who have the covenant and have the promises, but maybe they're tempted to, to forget Jesus. 
or to, to discard Jesus. And he's talking to Christians who have Jesus. And he's encouraging them to stick with Jesus. Because maybe they're under some persecution and they think it might be easier to go back to being just Jews. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. This is an argument for the son's deity as we go through. And so what he is saying is God, Jesus, is the best communicator because he is He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of power. This is the Jesus who is the best mediator. This is the Jesus who is the hope enabler. This is the Jesus who is working in your life, who is your equipper. This is the Jesus who is the covenator. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior than to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be a father and he shall be a son to me. Oh, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Oh, angels, he says, of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of, of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with oil of gladness beyond your companions, and you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Jesus is the best. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment, like a robe, rolling them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they, are they not all ministering spirits sit out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? Therefore, church, therefore, he's the best communicator. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. Least we drift away from it. Least we forget it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if you Jews neglect such a greater salvation? If you hear this message and you do not act on it, how can you escape? 
because it was declared false by Jesus, the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will, to the body, to us. We must hear this message. Jesus is the best communicator. That he came and he died for your sins. That he was buried and he rose again on the third day. And that he saves you to the uttermost. Not 60%, not 50%, not 75%, not 99.9999999%. You are saved to the uttermost. Don't neglect this message. He is the best communicator. And God long ago spoke to the prophets. And God is now speaking to us through his son. The second person of our triune God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. He's the best communicator, church. He's spoken. Do we hear him? Do we listen to what he has to say? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. (laughs) Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus himself, likewise partook of the same thing. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. Can I get an amen? I mean, that is like an amen statement. He became flesh. He, He dwelt among us. He destroyed death. And the devil. Wow. That means the only power the devil has or the enemy has in my life is the power that I hand him. Whether or not I let him sit at my table (laughs) or I tell him to get away in the name of Jesus. So many times in our own thought life, we give him a seat at our table. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. He's delivered us. We're no longer enslaved to sin, but we are free. Set free by the death on the cross and the vindication of the resurrection. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had, not, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a judgmental and crude high priest. Is that what it says? It says that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God to make propitiation. I got it right, Joella. To make propitiation for the sins of the people. Propitch, you know, he's a propitio, delivers all that we need. He, he's our substitute. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. He recreated each and every one. When we confess Jesus is Lord, he makes each of us new creations. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that is the identity that we are called to live in. And sometimes we give the old self a seat at the table. Right? Who are you? 
Cindy, who are you? That's right. You didn't do your little rhyme. <laughs> A child of the one true king. That's what you always say. So. Yes, that is who we are. So he makes propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Who's here tempted? Every day. Who here feels alone when they're tempted? Yeah. Did you know that he's right there with you, willing to help you? He wants you to turn from the temptation and turn to him. And it's not like this. Gee, it's about time, you knucklehead. That's not what it is. It's, oh, I'm so glad that you turned in here. Have a slice of pizza, if that's your favorite food, right? That's your favorite food. Think about it. Got it? That's the table he's prepared. And he's saying, turn away from all this stuff and turn to me and, and feast on what I have for you. Feast on what I have. Maybe that just really works for me because I love food. I don't know. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, we jumped over to 414. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. He understands, guys. But one who in every respect has been tempted, yet as we are, yet without sin. He, he, he pulls it off. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of judgment, that we might receive justice and punishment in our time of need. Is that what it says? What throne do we draw near to? Grace. Say it with me. We draw near to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. This is the relationship that we have with, with Christ. He took the judgment upon the cross. And he's extended forgiveness. And he calls us into repentance to walk with him, not in judgment, because he likes you. He delights in you. And he wants to give you mercy and grace to help in the time of need. He's the best mediator. He's God. <laughs> the second person of the Trinity, he's the best one to bring us into the full communion of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's in Christ that we partake of the divine. That we enter into relationship, into communion with this. That's amazing. That's mind-blowing. I think we could meditate on that for the rest of our lives. Not uh, understand the depths of that. You're actually brought into communion. Into relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Through his mediation. He's the best. The best mediator. Hebrews 6, 11 through 20. Now 6, the beginning is all chapter that uh, Wesleyans love to quote. And 
There's a lot of tension there. About rejecting the message that God has given us. And so in 11, he says, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance until hope, until the end. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. For God, when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear, to whom to swear, he swore by himself. Saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all this, their disputes and oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purposes, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, and we who have fled refuge might have a strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. What is that hope? Jesus is that hope. He's the hope enabler. He is our hope. He's gone before us. We have this sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, into the holy of holies, the very presence of God. That's where our hope lies. That's where we can enter every single day is into the very presence of God. What Jesus has gone is full one on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He's our high priest. He's the best communicator. He's the best mediator. And he is the best hope in the law. Where's your hope? Maybe you don't have any hope here today. The conference was on uh, having hope in a despairing world, and, and we were reminded over and over again through that conference that our hope does not lie in results. Our hope lies in Jesus. And that he is walking in and through us. And that the end result is glory in heaven. The new heaven and the new earth. He's the best hope enabler. Fix your eyes on him. Grab on the hope that he offers in the midst of your difficulty. Don't let the enemy shout him out because you're listening to the lies and buying into the lies that yourself or the world or the enemy is selling you. He is the hope enabler. Hope for the future, hope for the moment is found in him. And it's an anchor for the soul that is both sure and steadfast. Turn with me to Hebrews 7, 15. It says, this becomes more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witness of him, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. If you want to know more about Melchizedek, I don't have time to do that today, but I'd love to just talk to you about that and explain who this character is from the Old Testament. Um, but it, like I said, I don't have time for that today. For on the one hand, a formal commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced to which we draw near to God. 
And it was not without an oath, for those who formerly became priests were made so, made such without an oath. But the one who was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and not changed his mind. You are priests forever. This makes Jesus the guarantee of a better covenant. He is the covenator. The former priests were many in number, but because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently. Because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. He's able to save the uttermost. Not 50%, not 75%, 100% saved. Since he always lives <laughs> to make he lives, he lives to make intercession for you. God is up to, to bat, and God never strikes out. That's his purpose. That's what he gets up in the morning. He's like, yippee, I get to pray for Jed this morning. Of course, he doesn't stumble to sleep, but you, you get the idea. When you live for something, it brings you life. It brings you joy. He delights in you. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself on the cross. Once for all. For the law appoints men in their weaknesses, high priest, but the word of the oath, which came later when the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. He is the best Savior. <laughs> savior to the uttermost. Nothing left. You believe that. You can grab that with both hands. And that's a hope enabling thing. Because that is true. And you can take it to the bank every single day. And some of us need to take it to the bank every single moment. Because we're beset with so much doubt in our own hearts. Because we have a habit of giving the enemy a seat at our table. And we like to listen to him and his lies more than we like to listen to the truth of God's word. And I just pray for you, if you're that one, that God makes this emotional connection to him being the best Savior. And that that seeks down into the deep core of your soul, and you know that you know that he saved you to the uttermost, and there's nothing at all in this world that will change that. Because he loves you. And he delights in you. I just pray that that intellectual truth, if it is an intellectual truth, will tie to your emotions and become a heartfelt truth in your life. Because that's the truth that really matters. That's the truth that shapes our behaviors. Hebrews 8. Yeah, the whole chapter. I still got time. Now, the point 
in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Oh, yeah, really. He's all priests. A minister in the holy places. In the true tent, the Lord set up, not man, it's not the tabernacle, it's not Solomon's temple, it's not the second temple, which hasn't been destroyed yet when the, this sermon is being delivered. Okay? It's God in the heavenly places. Jesus went and offered propitiation for sins. I got to write again. So proud of myself. <laughs> I'm going to get humbled here in a second, but you know. Verse 3. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest to also have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve as a copy and a shadow of heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See to it that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is acted on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there had been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the Not like the covenant that I made with them with their fathers on the day when I took them out of the, by the hand, Sorry, when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this, the Lord says, is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, and I will write them upon their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor, and And each one his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins for ten days. I will remember their sins no more. No more. The new covenant that has been enacted in us, in which we now live. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete? Oh, man, I can't even say that word right now. And is growing old, is ready to vanish away. We no longer live under the law, people. We live in the new covenant. We've been given new hearts. He's writing his law upon our hearts. His Holy Spirit is changing us from the inside out. And there will be coming a time when we will come and we will not have to be talking to one another. And I will not be up here preaching to you and in teaching you the word. And you will not be teaching the word to one another because there is a day coming. Uh, there is a day coming where he will be physically in our midst and we will all know him intimately. And we will be fully known as he is now. That day is coming. Verse 10 is future. 
Verse 9 is present. Verse 12 is present. He will remember your sins no more. They are paid for on the cross. This is the message of grace that we have. He is the best covenanter. I didn't make that one up. I thought I might have, and then so I looked it up. It is a word, one who makes covenants. And he's made a new covenant with us. A new one where you are a new creation. That is who you are, a child of the one true king. That is your identity. And I implore you and I encourage you, choose to live out of that identity. That's the identity he's given you. That's the identity he calls you to. That's the reality he let, wants you to step into. He wants you to put off that old identity. That's who you were. Now this is who you are. Will you step in to the identity that he has given you? And all of us in all of our lives struggle every day with identity in one way or another. Some of us wrap it up in our work and how hard we can work. Some of us wrap it up in how well we speak. Some, we wrap it up in all kinds of things, how good of a mom we can be, how good of a father we can be. I want you to know today that all those are good things, but all those fall short of your identity in Christ, which fills all and is all. So step into the new identity that the covenator has given you. He's made you a new creation. He's cast your sin off as far as the east is from the rest, west, and he will remember it no more. He delights in who you are and in who he's making you. Maybe you're loud and boisterous like me. He delights in that. Maybe you're quiet like a mom. Did you know he delights in that? And he has a purpose and a plan for that. Maybe, maybe you're like me and you can't get enough people. More people to marry you. Or maybe, maybe you have elite people limits. <laughs> Did you know he delights in that? Because he's the new covenanter. He doesn't, his new creation doesn't re erase who he made you. And it's not a sin to have people limits. Or to be quiet. Hebrews 13. Actually, after 8, it really, in 9 and 10 and 11, it, he just starts, like, hitting all these application points. And the idea that Christ is equipping and what Christ has done, he's the best mediator, the best communicator, the best hope enabler, the best savior. These all things should enable us to do these things. And he, he concludes this whole section with this. And I just want you to receive this. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, walking in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He is the enabler. He's the equipper. He's equipped you for every good work. And it, he is delighting in the work that he's doing in you. That's what it says. Walking in us that which is pleasing in his sight. 
can you just fall into that? Rest into that? So often we have life and we're trying to go, ah, right? And he's saying, no, not raw. He's saying, ah. Make a fist. Is that your fist? Now I want you to think about those things in your life. Those things that just can't quite work out, the things that quite can't do what you want them to do, right? Got them? Who's the enabler? Point your fist. Let it go. Let it go. He's the best. Whatever it is, he's got it covered. He's got it covered. You can let it go. He's the best of all things. Trust him in the process. Jesus is the best. He's the best communicator. He's the best mediator. He's the best hope enabler, savior, and covenator. He's the best of all things. Just rest in his easy yoke. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you a walk with sheep that's beyond measure. No. Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. My burden is easy life and I am gentle and lowly at heart this is the invitation given to each of us his yoke is easy and light but it is hard to step into his yoke it's hard to step into the identity that he has given us or he's the best enabler and if you step out in He will meet you and help you train to walk beside him in his kingdom, in his yoke. Because he's the enabler and he's the best. The best that God has to offer. Let's lean into him. Father God, we thank you and we praise you for your grace and your goodness and your love. We thank you that you are enough. And you're more than enough, you're the best. May we be able to walk in an attitude of relief to you and rest in your goodness and in your grace. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.